This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. It's 11 o'clock. Hello, it's Toronto Today. Mike Hogan in for Gareth Wheeler. Busy show coming up today. I like a busy show coming up today. Uh, let's see. We will kick things off in a couple of minutes. Scott Mitchell will join us, our TSM Blue Jays reporter, with a look at, uh, well, all things Blue Jays. Break them up. Three in a row. They're back. World Series contending Toronto Blue Jays. A little more optimistic, I guess, but we'll talk to Scott about uh, three for three against the uh, A's in dramatic fashion last night. Uh, Bob Weeks will join us if we can ring him out. Uh, he is at the Canadian Open. And uh, hopefully the uh, the tent doesn't have a leak in it from where he's covering everything. Uh, we'll talk to Weeksy about what's uh, happened so far and get his uh, thoughts on the field in general and which Canadians are the best horses for this course. Dan Simborski will drop by. I don't know if you follow Dan on Twitter. He's an ESPN baseball analyst. Uh, a fantastic radio guest, so we're lucky to uh, to be talking to Dan in the next few. Twelve oh five is, I think, when when Dan is scheduled. Uh, Dan is a numbers geek, and well, just a geek in general. He is a, a lot of fun to have on the on the show. Uh, a self admitted geek, by the way. A lot of fun. Uh, Dan will join us, and uh, he's he uh, in his latest column has come up with a trade for every major league team, and tried to do it so we only used each team once. The one he has for the Blue Jays, not exactly a blockbuster. That's how I'll whet your appetite there. Um, but uh, Dan will join us at 12.05. Rod Black, the one of the play-by-play voices of the CFL on TSN, will join us. Look back at the Argo win and what's up for them in the brand-new barn in Regina. Spectacular-looking building if you haven't seen this thing yet. Uh, Carlo Koliakovo will join us. Hasn't played in the NHL in a year but is back in the news as a potential Olympian. We'll talk to Carlo at quarter to one this afternoon. So that's uh, that's the lineup. I don't know if... Just one of those days already. Joe Narsa is our producer. Good morning, Joe. What's up? Nothing much, Hoagie. Just uh, trying to stay dry like uh, Mr. Bob Weeks will be. Scriz Nasty is in as well. Michael Skrizniak, our tactical poobah. Good morning, Scriz. Howdy, Hoagie. Uh, you ever have one of those mornings where it just starts and by 11 o'clock it's just, there's there's way too many things that have piled up in way too little a time? More often than you think. Yeah, I'm having one of those today. Uh-oh. So I didn't sleep very well last night, didn't get very much sleep, and usually when I'm out, I'm going to wake me in 42 hours and I'll be up. Um, You're too busy watching Shark Week. Well, that's that might be the only redeeming point of this. And by the way, speaking of Shark Week... Um, we recorded the Double Blue podcast yesterday, which will air this weekend on uh, on TSN 1050. And it should be uploaded, hopefully a little bit later today, it will be uh, be available via podcast. Um, but we're going to tease a little bit. Jim Pop uh, was on yesterday, the general manager of the Argos. And their family looks at Shark Week a little differently these days. Uh, his wife was attacked by a shark and lived to tell the tale. Pretty nasty wound. Um, but we'll uh, we'll hear that story coming up at about eleven forty five on the program. But uh, so I, I don't get the good sleep. I have to finish writing an article for Argonauts.ca. So I get up and I go to check the audio file, and it won't load. And I mean, it's taking forever. What should have taken me about fifteen minutes to finish up and polish today uh, took me about an hour and a half. 
So that's not the great start of the morning. So I'm running way late. It's raining, so the traffic has slowed down a little bit more. So we're starting to check a whole lot of boxes here. I show up for work, and then I realize I'm working with Joe. So that's just kind of piling on here. It's just not a good day. Thank you for that. Oh, that's fine. And just before I come into the studio today, I leave the preparation area. I'm walking down the hall, and uh, oops, I go all Bill Buckner with my cell phone. And it lands, and it lands screen first. Smash. So I now now have a a screen on my cell phone that looks to have about 43,000 lines on it. It's a spider web. That's what I'm looking at this morning. So I gotta go get that. You just have those mornings. So hopefully, with the lineup that we have here, and the fact that I'm working with Scrizz, which kind of works opposite working with Joe, so I get the the the, the yin with the yang, yin with the yang. Um, just one of those days. At least you're having a good fantasy week, Hoagie. Um. Oh, yeah, we're playing each other in baseball this week. You're welcome for you, Darvish, by the way. Yeah, I saw that. That was uh, that was not a good start. Well, okay, if you want to get in just quickly, I've got Clevenger, night one. He's got a 7 nothing lead. Doesn't get yeah, the win. Yeah, blew that one. <laughs> I'll take Clevenger, though, over yeah, you, Darvish, this there, week. There you go. Uh, a little more baseball talk right now. And uh, joining us with a look at the Jays, and as we get closer and closer to the deadline, our Baseball Insider, who is brought to you by Oakland Ford Lincoln, your premier source for auto service and sales in the GTA. Scott Mitchell's on the line. How you doing, Scott? Oh, I'm not too bad. I, I hear I'm doing better than you. Oh, man. You ever, you ever break your screen on your cell phone where you just drop it and it go boom? I'm knocking on a whole lot of wood right now. I have not. Oh, man. This is only the second time I've been stupid enough to do that. And it just, it's, yeah, it's, it's not pretty. I hate it is, that. It is one of the dumber moves out there. I gotta, I gotta agree with that. Yeah, it's just uh, you know you you got forty three things in your hands and you're trying to just move from the producers sort of where we gather to do our prep and then trying to walk in here and I open the door and oops. So yeah, it's just one of those days. Uh, I'm obviously uh, the Jays had a better night last night than I'm having this morning. Um, time to break up the Jays. Well, they had a better half inning. <laughs> I'll give them that. Good point. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, I mean, three-game win streak. Everyone's kind of feeling good today. Obviously, a, a day game that they come back from, and, and when you win a game like that, and you come back to the park uh, some twelve hours later, you're, you're feeling good. So this team's in, in good spirits today. But um, you know, they they know there's a lot of work to be done. It's, it's seven games under five hundred at, at this point, and you got the trade deadline looming on on Monday, and and, and things are going to happen, and, and you know, it's going to be more uh, subtraction than addition. But uh, the funny thing is, you look at the Yankees last year, and they made a couple moves at the deadline and then started to go on a run um, in August and September. That was uh, Gary Sanchez coming up and, and lighting the world on fire. And I, I don't know that the, the Blue Jays have something like that uh, waiting in the wings. But, hey, this, uh, this is a weird sport. And, and these, these guys are, uh, are feeling good after that, that road trip. And uh, we'll see if they can capitalize. And they got the, the LA Angels coming in here on uh, in the weekend. And then you go to Chicago, and you're, you're going to face a, a rebuilding club there. So when you, when you do look at the schedule, um, 
there there is uh, optimism amongst these guys at this point. And you you wrote about one of the uh, one of the potential guys that they may call up a, a little bit. Uh, we'll deal with that a little bit later on. But just having hung around this team as long as you have, what what is the mood like there? Is it resignation because you know they went three in a row, but they're still six and a half out and need to pass seven teams? And you keep hearing about the rumors that must be. You know, as as much as a player wants to block out the external stuff that's got away on the minds of the guys who have been uh, mentioned in trade rumors, what is it like in the room right now? For sure, it's it's kind of a, I think it's a, it's a realistic approach at this point. They they understand that uh, the hole that they dug is is a is a huge one, and then that's why we're we're sitting here talking about uh, the trade deadline in the in the way that we are uh, in terms of in terms of selling and, and getting what you can for for certain guys like uh, like some pending free agents and, and things like that. So these guys, um, you know, they're they've been frustrated at points. It's it's been pretty clear. It's evident when you when you watch and. and uh, you see Jose Bautista and, and Troy Tulowitzki, especially. You, you can tell that these guys are frustrated personally with with the way they've been playing. And you come off that road trip and, and you get swept in in Cleveland. And you know, there's there's no way to to keep a positive outlook when you're when you're sitting in that position. But um, this is a, it's a day by day sport, and you know, three wins, even if it is against the the, the Oakland A's, who aren't exactly a, a team that uh, is going to be in any sort of contention. Uh, you know, they they feel like if they could slowly chip away. John Gibbons just sat with us uh, about 45 minutes ago, saying um, he he feels like this team has a has a 10 game win streak in him. And I, I don't know that he's going to say anything different. He's, sure. he's going to keep it positive like that. But um, there is a, a little bit of positivity when when you're when you're out riding a three game win streak and you have a chance to to sweep a team in four straight, which is which is rare. Was it a relatively fun room last night? Were they able to at least enjoy the moment? Um, you know, it's still pretty. It's still pretty. They they keep it pretty uh, pretty solemn in there at this point. I mean, Marco Estrada last night was was the obvious story. Sure. We we wanted to, to ask him if he thought about the fact that it, that it could be his last start in Toronto, and he didn't want to talk about that, and he wasn't happy with his performance. So, despite the win, uh, yeah, I mean, Justin Smoke and, and Kendris Morales, obviously uh, two two very timely hits that uh, that kind of pulled one out of the fire for them. So it, it wasn't a perfect win by any means, so there, there, were, there weren't any champagne bottles. But I, I feel this team just wants to get through this next week and see where it goes from there. They're, they're not, uh, they don't feel like the season is dead yet, but they're also kind of just taking it day by day, as, as cliche as it sounds. Our guest is Scott Mitchell, covers uh, the Jays, obviously, for TSN 1050, tsn.ca. Uh, speaking of Estrada, you know, the numbers are obvious. He's up uh, about two runs in his ERA from a year ago and, and uh, even a little bit more from the year before. The whip has gone uh, up from uh, one to one point, uh, from one even to 1.1 to 1.5 almost. Uh, obviously, they're not trading him at high value, but are you expecting him to go or is there still much of a market for him out there? I think when you look at around the league and you just look at how many how many teams are searching for pitching, um, there has to be one contender or maybe a couple that that would be interested in saying, "Hey, if this guy can really put it together the way he's had he's done over the past couple of years, that that this guy could could be a valuable addition to our pitching staff." And then when you consider the the price that will clearly um, be diminished compared to what it would be maybe a year from or a year ago. I think that's a, that's a recipe for for a deal to get done. And uh, I talked to, to Mark Shapiro yesterday, and he says uh, he he says that they'll be active at the deadline. So uh, take that for what it's worth. But uh, I think you can expect some moves. And when you just look at at who's available on this team and 
and who could potentially help the contender um, out of the bullpen or in the starting or the back end of the starting rotation over the next couple of months. I think, uh, you know, I think they'll, they'll be, uh, there'll be some interest in, in Marco. It, it'll depend on, on what the offers are and whether, uh, whether they can, uh, they can find a match. But um, when you talk to him last night, he's still not happy with his performance. And then the walks are the most concerning part because this guy has been a, a pinpoint control guy with the, with the changeup and things like that. And, and when you're, when you're walking four guys a game, I mean, last night he obviously got through five innings. And I think um, when you watch that start, though, if you scout the box score, it, it looks decent. But uh, that first inning was rocky and a timely hit or, or two, and, and things could have gone much, much differently. But he says these uh, things are looking up, and he feels he took a step in the right direction. So we'll, we'll see if uh, um, contending teams feel the same way heading into Monday's deadline. I can imagine what it's like covering this team on a daily basis because the story remains the same and it's been the same for a couple of weeks now, maybe three or four, when people are speculating what those deals may be as maybe the realism has crept in, uh, especially after the road trip, that uh, the season is essentially written off unless something really strange happens. Um, so with that said, and all of the time that you guys have, the downtime and trying to figure out what's a legitimate rumor, what's not, what is the hottest and most legitimate rumor going around right now in your eyes? Well, I think it, there's been a couple of various reports that, that Kansas City has been interested in in Marco as well as uh, Francisco Liriano, yeah. Bob, Bob Nightingale from from USA Today reported that yesterday. So I don't I don't think anything would be considered imminent at this point. But when you just look at, at what Casey's done, their their trade with the San Diego Padres. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to add uh, so, some depth to that that rotation and that bullpen, um, it, it makes sense because they're a team that really doesn't have uh, a, a high end prospect or um, a, a group of uh, a group of young talent that they could go out and, and maybe get a U Darvish. So I think they've they've looked at the uh, the, the kind of the secondary market and, and maybe some uh, reclamation project type pitchers, which. Um, in my mind, is a, is a, is a smart move because I, I think if uh, if anyone looks around at, at the league and, and you think, uh, hey, we, we need to add some, some depth and with maybe a little bit of upside, I, I think when you look at Marco Strada and Francisco Liriano, um, we've seen them struggle, but we've also seen them uh, pitch some some great games in in Blue Jays colors, and I, I think uh, every team around the league kind of looks at that and says, hey, man, maybe these guys are due for for a good two months, and maybe uh, we could extract some value out of them. And, KC is, is kind of uh, the perfect destination with the with, with the way they've been playing and the fact that yeah. they they really want to they really want to take one more run with this core. So um, I think that's that's the most interesting one. I mean, Jose Bautista's name is going to be out there, but uh, it's so muddled with his ten and five rights and the fact that he could veto any potential deal that it's really hard to even uh, take the rumor seriously till till Jose decides to say uh, what his intentions are, which he hasn't been uh, really ready to do at this point. Just knowing him the way you do, what do you think it would take for Jose Bautista to waive the ten and five and accept a trade? Uh, that's a it's a it's a good question. I mean, I think he's gonna he's gonna look at the the location. He's gonna look at uh, where that team is, is sitting in the standings, and then he's gonna look at his role. Uh, I think that would be first and foremost. And then you want to get into to the contract. If he if he really wants to uh, kind of hold the hold the Blue Jays hostage, he could he could say that uh, I, I want my mutual option picked up by by whatever team is is gonna trade or uh, whatever team I'm gonna join. They need yeah. to pick up my mutual option for next year, which is. Uh, Something that uh, no one really expects to happen unless uh, the Blue Jays uh, pay most of that. So th- that's when you get into the fact that if they wanted to pay 
$15 million on his mutual option next year, maybe they could get a, a higher-end prospect than, than maybe you're going to get. So that's the that's kind of the uh, the game that Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro are, are playing a little bit. When you look at the, the Liriano deal last year, they, they took on $18 million and and were afforded uh, two prospects in, in Reese McGuire and, and Harold Ramirez to make that deal work. And if, if you want to get creative like that and they, they want to add a, a good prospect, maybe you, you consider paying that and, and you... you um, you, you do that that way. So, so there, there's so many different ways and there's so many different angles to, to a Bautista trade that, that it's really hard to, to navigate. But uh, I think it, it comes down eventually to just what teams are interested in. I don't know that there's a, a lot of teams looking for a 36-year-old outfielder or even a, a DH at this point. So it, that'll be really interesting to see over the next few days how that, how that develops. You mentioned prospects and uh, yesterday your latest top 10 list came out looking at the, uh, the guys down on the farms so to speak. Uh, If you were running the Jays right now, who would you like to see called up as a September call-up? Not just because you're curious in in what they'd be able to do at the major league level, but taking into account, you know, the September call-up and getting the the clock going, so to speak. The the thing with the Blue Jays system is that there's not a lot of uh, major league ready talent in the the upper minors, in in double-A or triple-A. When you look at that list, there's a a lot of guys that are still in in high-A and low-A. And that doesn't really uh, that doesn't really make for any sort of uh, legitimate scenario where you, where you see them up before September. I mean, I think uh, the one guy that uh, everyone's talking about a little bit now is Ryan Barucki, who is uh, who threw seven innings in his Double A debut the other day, and then this is a, a lefty, a six foot four, kind of wiry, hundred ninety pound lefty that uh, is uh, already on the forty man roster. So when you do see uh, what happens at the trade deadline whether a couple of these starters get get shuttled out that's a guy that uh, has has impressed he's impressed john gibbons uh, we we talked about him uh, a couple of days ago when they got back from cleveland after his uh, his good start in new hampshire and and um gibbons was impressed so that that's a guy who's kind of um on the radar a little bit um not only for for september but also uh, maybe in the next uh, few weeks here depending on how his next couple starts go just based on the fact that he's he's already on the 40 men. Scott, a pleasure. Thank you so much. Appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the game today. Thanks, Louis. Take care. That is Scott Mitchell joining us. He covers the Toronto Blue Jays for TSN 1050, tsn.ca, so you can read all of his good stuff. And you're, if you're interested in sort of tracking the prospects, and if you're a Jays fan, I guess you're, you're kind of in the mode where Leaf fans were two years ago. Maybe not to the same extent as let's blow it up and get rid of all the top players, but you're more curious about the future than you are the present. Um, we saw that with Toronto. Just think about not this year's draft, but the 2016 and 2015 drafts and how much we focused in on that as a market, as the media, as fans, how interested you were in the draft, the potential of the Leafs winning a lottery. If they didn't, the top five picks in the draft, the Marner year, the obviously the Matthews year worked out exceptionally well, to say the least. Um and then compare that level of interest to where you were this year. And it was, okay, it was not a top five pick. I don't really have to study the top five, and we'll see who they get. A lot of you were like that. I, I, there are still draft geeks out there and draft nicks uh, that, uh, and just curious hockey fans that will follow the, uh, the draft and be as excited about it as they would be, even if the Leafs aren't picking high, or your favorite team, if you're not a Leaf fan, isn't picking all that high. Uh, but I think that would be the minority, for the most part. You know, the ter- first two or three or four, because they're talked about a lot. But you might not know who the sort of 10 to 20 class is, or, or, or potential group is. 
And now with the Jays, you know, in years gone by, the last couple of years for the most part, we were talking about, obviously, the Major League Club more than we were talking about what was on the farm. And now we've probably spoken more about Bichette and Guerrero this year than we have about Blue Jays prospects in a long time, certainly the last three years since some of them were moved, or four years since some of them were moved to the Marlins and the Mets, Tigers. So that's just where they are right now. Uh, Here's a story that's interesting. This is just breaking. You can read it on tsn.ca. First Lady Melania Trump says she will lead the U.S. delegation to Invictus Games for injured and sick veterans in Toronto this September. The quote via a statement from the White House this morning. I was heartened by the great success of the inaugural Invictus Games that took place in London in 2015 and the second games in Orlando, Florida last year. In just two short years, the Invictus Games have allowed thousands of injured and wounded servicemen and women from many countries to participate in adaptive sports competitions, something that should be lauded and supported worldwide. I am honored by the opportunity to represent our country at this year's Games. Close quote. Why the hell would somebody from that family have the audacity to want to come to the Invictus Games? Seriously. When her pinhead husband, during the campaign, ripped a disabled reporter. Mocked him openly. Are you kidding? And then on top of that, talked about John McCain, who whether you agree with his politics or not, decorated war hero. If you don't know the story... Captured in Vietnam, was in the Hanoi Hilton for years, and was devised a way to communicate with other uh, prisoners of war. And Trump mocked him. He's not a hero. My heroes don't get caught. And yet, the games invites somebody from this family, guilty by association. Never heard Melania Trump on the campaign trail saying, oh, my husband, he shouldn't have said that. If she did, I don't remember it. And now she's coming up here to lead the U.S. delegation to the Invictus Games. Come on. Really? That's pathetic. Wrong. It is. And now we're on the family. So allow me to vent for a minute. After what happened yesterday, and the day before, 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 and the day before. I don't care what you think about his politics. Let's take the politics aside. You may be somebody who cringes when you see what happens. You may be somebody who supports what he's trying to do. Take that out of the equation. We keep hearing from people, oh, there's got to be something wrong with him the way that he acts. Can we stop saying that? Can we just say Donald Trump is an a-hole and move along? There's no excuse for this guy. That's who he is. He's always been that guy. He'll always be that guy. And for some reason, the Democrats couldn't come up with a decent candidate to run against him. You are fake news. Yes, I am. Guilty as charged. The 
man is a slime ball. Can we just not say that out loud? Quiet. We quiet, have to quiet. we have to make excuses for this pinhead. My god. He's a jackass. Can we not just say that? And he proved it again yesterday. He's a slime ball. We've seen what we think about him in Toronto. Did you not see the name being taken off the hotel? I don't think the vast majority of Canadians want anybody from that family here. He's a lowlife. He's scum. Well, there's got to be something wrong with him. You're trying to clinically break down this guy? My God. Melania Trump, stay the hell home. After what your husband has said about the disabled and what your husband has said about those who have been captured and wounded in war. My God. I saw that. I just got chills. Stay the hell home. We don't want you. When we come back, we'll lighten the mood a little bit. Bob Weeks will join us. He's out in the rain in Oakville. Uh, We'll talk to him about what's going on at the Canadian Open when we continue with Toronto Today here on TSN 1050. One made eight-footer. I mean, it, it can be as small as that. I mean, I think, uh, you know, 17 of us in the field, um, you know, five, six guys that play on this tour regularly every year. Um, and uh, guys, you know, not only guys that are close to winning um, each week. And uh, it's not easy to win out here. Um, you know, you need some, some good balances. You need to take advantage of some good breaks. and um, But that's probably all we need uh, is just a good break here or there. Adam had one yesterday talking about what it'll take for a Canuck to win at the Canuck Open this weekend. It's underway in the rain out in Oakville. Mike Hogan with you here in for Gareth Wheeler on Toronto Today. Uh, tons coming up. We've got uh, some hockey talk, some football talk, uh, some baseball talk as we continue uh, with the program here. First up, though, joining us amid the raindrops out west, Bob Weeks. How are you doing, Weeksy? I'm doing well, and the weather report here is that the uh, the rain has stopped, so we're uh, we're happy about that. Oh, that is good. What do you mean the report is? <laughs> well, I'm looking out the door. How's that? I'm oh, you are so soft. Just <laughs> yeah, brutal. Exactly. Before exactly. we get into the golf itself, we, we've heard for a long time that Glen Abbey, the, the property, is slated for development. Uh, what's the latest? So, yeah, Clublink, which owns the property, would like to build houses on it. They've got a plan that would include about 3,300 homes uh, on the property, which is amazing, to be perfectly honest with you. The uh, the part that's down below uh, in the creek would, would uh, remain as parkland. And interesting, it's the only part of 16-mile creek from the escarpment down to Lake Ontario that's actually in private hands. So oh, okay. uh, that, would, that would connect that part. Um, there's still a long way to go. There's lots of wranglings going on in courtrooms and, and procedures and things, the, the reports that have to be created before anything's going to happen. So if there is a shovel in the ground, uh, and that's still an if, it'll, it'll be quite a while before that eventually happens. Uh, I think you'll see this tournament here back next year for sure, and maybe by 20 or 21 we'll, we'll see this course probably fade away. That'll be sad. I mean, for, for guys of our vintage, I mean, that was it was the fifth major for a long time. Uh, the, the Nicholas name, when he was starting to develop golf courses, made it unique. Uh, it will be a sad day when uh, they turn the key, at least for golf fans, and, and, and open up the, uh, the houses there. 
Yeah, and, and there's you know there's a movement afoot here from people who want to make it a historical <laughs> location, which would make it awfully hard to develop. Yeah. We'll see if that happens. I'm not sure. But you're right. It's, it's played host to a lot of great uh, great moments out here, even you know going back as far as, as Jack Nicholas vying for the title and Tiger Woods' great shot here out of the bunker. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great memories on this golf course. And if it does go away, uh, which it looks like it probably will, you're right, it'll be, it'll be a sad day for sure. How many times while playing that course have you hit a ball just for fun out of that bunker and tried it? Pretty much every time. Yeah, and it's... pretty much every time it's ended up in the water. <laughs> yeah, of course it would. I'm not expecting you to clear that. What, what club did he use on that? Six iron. Six iron. Come on, because we've all tried it. Anybody who's been lucky enough to play the course has tried that and failed miserably. Yeah, the, uh, I remember one time that if, when they used to have the media day out here, they would uh, they would get us to try whatever sort of the big significant shot was in that year. I don't think I don't think anybody cleared the water of all the media, so that tells you that why we're we're recovering it and not playing it. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, none of the guys in the media are Tiger Woods. Go figure. Um, how would you rate this field overall before we get into the specifics? You know, it's 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 pretty good when you consider the uh, the class of where this tournament is compared to other tournaments that are at the same level. Uh, this is a pretty decent field. You can go back um, a bunch of weeks and look at the fields for play, things like the, the John Deere Classic or Valspar or whatever you want to do. And in that level, this is a pretty good field. Um, it's got some it's got some depth to it. It's got some big names to it. It's got some doesn't have all the big guys in the top of the world ranked by any means. But there's enough quality and enough star power here, thanks in a large part to uh, RBC, which pays yep. some of these guys to over the year. Um, but I think it's a fun field. So you never, you know, every, I know Canadians like to sit here and bellyache about, oh, why don't we get better fields? Why don't we get Phil Mickelson and all this? But that happens everywhere I go. Every tournament I go to, it's not a World Golf Championship event or a, or a major championship. Everyone is vying for the same people. And these guys just don't play every week, so uh, so you you make do with what you can, and and that's what they've done here, and it's it's pretty decent altogether, I think. Top Canadians are there, which you know your your partner on Golf Talk Canada uh, talks about horses for courses on a regular basis. Which Canadian is best built for Glen Abbey? Well, certainly, I guess looking at past results, you'd certainly look at David Hearn, yeah. who's played well here and uh, and almost won a couple of years ago. Um, I, I like Adam Hadwin around here as well. Um, he's, he seems to have embraced it. And it's tough. You know, I remember going back as far as Dave Barr. He said he came in here. And Mike Weir, same thing. Both guys sort of came in here, weren't real big fans of the golf course, but you learn to like it. You learn to play it because you know the course is going to be here. And, and you kind of adjust, adjust to it. And over time, you know, their, their thinking changes about it. Um, but I, I like right now, I think, you know, Graham Dillette has never had a great for finish here, but he, he was just saying the same thing yesterday. He says, I'm going to embrace it and just play the course because this is an important tournament. So, um, you know, I would say Hadwin or, or Hearn would be the two guys and, and maybe look out for Mackenzie Hughes as well. For those who have never made it out and, and watched the pros play live, uh, you know, you mentioned some of the big names. Matt Kuchar's here, Bubba Watson is here, uh, and even if he's not Bubba from a couple of years ago, he's still an incredibly popular figure on the circuit. Um, t- why would you recommend somebody go out and check this thing out live as opposed to just sitting back and watching it on TV? Though would love to see that. I, I just don't think you get an appreciation for how talented these guys are, how, how well they hit the ball, um, how far they hit the ball. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then, and it's one of the few sports where you can sit there and really hear them interact. Like you can stand ten feet from a guy on a on a tee block and hear them talking about what they're gonna what they're gonna use, what kind of shot they're gonna hit, uh, where they're gonna play it. Um, and and I don't think you get that in any other sport. And you don't have to follow around. You could sit in one place and watch people, or you can walk around, or you could do a combination. And this golf course was specifically built so that you can see a lot of different. Um, 
areas of play, tees, greens, fairways, from one central location. And there's little hubs. Jack was talking about this uh, to me the other day when he was out here saying that that was their sort of their aim. They knew it was going to be a tournament, and it was sort of built like spokes on a, on a wheel. You can go out and see a couple of tees, a couple of greens, um, just by standing on one hill. And that's the beauty of this golf course. And hopefully whatever they replace it with will we'll have something similar. Uh, leaderboard uh, is obviously early. Um, some pretty good numbers so far, though, considering what the conditions were like this morning. Well, it's soft and there's no wind, and those two ah, things combined okay. are going to yeah are pretty good, pretty much going to make this a shooting gallery. So you're going to see some low numbers out there today if the wind does continue to stay down, which I think it will. Uh, the golf course is pretty lush coming in because we everyone who's listening here I'm sure knows about how what a spring and into the summer we've had. So it's not uh, it's not great that way, but um, it's certainly different than what it was last year when it was baked out. So when you give these guys, though, they can dial it in, the distance control into the greens, and that's that's what's causing these low numbers out there. So you're going to see some more as this day goes on. If you were forced to follow one person around the course for a round, who would you uh, prefer to, uh, just as a fan, just sit back and follow and watch play? Well, Bubba Watson is the most interesting guy to walk around for sure. I mean, he hits so many different kinds of shots. He'll hit high shots, low shots, left to right, right to left. I mean, he he has admitted many times he just hates hitting the ball straight. And so he's fun. And and he's also sort of demonstrative, and he can get angry at himself. He can be happy. He'll interact with the fans on some holes, or he'll, uh, you know, I mean, he just, he's just kind of an entertaining guy to watch. But if you want to see some real good talent, I mean, obviously the number one player in the world right now, Dustin Johnson, is out there. So uh, I'd watch him. And, and interestingly, they've grouped a couple of the top Canadians together. So Graham Dillette and David Herner playing together, Adam Hadwin and uh, Nick Taylor, who, who grew up playing at the same golf course in Abbotsford, B.C., uh, are playing together. Interesting. Um, you, you mentioned that's an odd sentence to say. He, he, doesn't, he hates hitting it straight. Um, has that hurt him? Over, I mean, he had that really spectacular couple of years, but uh, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, especially playing on this side of the pond, isn't high and straight the way to go? Not necessarily. I think every every guy likes to move the ball a little way, and and it's hard. It's actually hard to hit a straight shot, to be honest with you. Sure. He just does it. He just does it to extremes. Like he'll aim it way, you know, thirty yards left and bring it back uh, to the right, but. Um, and, and each guy likes to be, generally speaking, has a consistent shot. So you'll hear guys who are either faders or drawers because you don't want to have a, a two-way miss, at least a predictable miss is if you're going to miss it. So I think most guys will, will play it one way. Bubba just likes to play it every which way and, and, and has fun doing that. And I don't know if it's hurt. That stuff, part of his game has hurt him. I think just some inconsistencies right now. But uh, he's an interesting guy. And, of course, his, uh, he's got a Canadian connection here, too. His wife is from the Toronto area. Oh, right. She, and uh, she, played, uh, she played in the Pro-Am here, actually, the other day. Uh, yesterday, on Wednesday, we had a little brief chat with her as well. So uh, she's, uh, she's a local gal. So uh, that's one of the reasons, I think, why Bubba does like to come back as well. So if you're looking to get out today and maybe follow Dustin Johnson around, he's not out on the course until 125. So an opportunity for you to go and do that. Uh, Bob, a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for doing this, pal. Take care, Mike. That is Bob Weeks joining us from Glen Abbey, a TSN golf analyst, and you can hear him on Saturday mornings on Golf Talk Canada with Mark Zacchino, and uh, they will obviously be all over the Canadian Open this weekend. And uh, he mentioned uh, Dillette and Hearn are playing together. Uh, they are off at 1.35, so just uh, a couple of groups after uh, the uh, the Johnson groups go out. So uh, that uh, that's where we are right now with the Canadian Open, and uh, Tim Haffey and uh, company will keep you up to speed on uh, how the afternoon progresses at Glen Abbey. Up next, um, this is a, this is an interesting story. It's it involves a Toronto sports executive and a shark and an attack 
and a family member. It's Shark Week on Discovery. Jim Pop lived through uh, lived through one of these attacks, and more importantly, his wife did because she's the one that got attacked. You'll hear the story next on Toronto Today on TSN 1050. It's 11.44. This is Toronto Today. Michael, get in for Gareth Wheeler. Wheels will be back on Monday. Coming up in the next hour, we have some baseball talk with ESPN's Dan Simborski. We have Carlo Koliakovo, the former Leaf, a longtime NHL player who's now playing in Germany, uh, but on the radar for Hockey Canada in terms of being an Olympian. So we'll talk to Carlo about that process and, and, and what he's trying to uh, do to get on the Canadian Olympic team. And a Rod Black will join us, a play-by-play, one of the play-by-play voices of the CFL on TSN. And a couple of things to talk about here. Um, there's, if you're an Argo fan, there's a podcast out called the Double Blue Podcast. Jeff Johnson and I do it every week. Um, JJ's actually out on business. He wasn't able to record. We recorded yesterday. And uh, it's now running. It ran for the first time here on TSN 1050 on the weekend. It ran both Saturday and Sunday, getting ready for the uh, uh, getting ready for the Ottawa game. It'll run this Saturday morning on uh, on TSN 1050. But we had uh, we had an extended talk yesterday with Jim Pop, uh, which will be edited down for time reasons for the broadcast here on TSN 1050. It will be in its entirety. It's 45 minutes. With Jim Pop, and we barely scratched the surface. And uh, for those who don't know the story, this is Shark Week. Discovery Shark Week. It's uh, for some people. It's it's one of the highlights of the viewing season. Uh, the shows that we have seen so far have been spectacular, and we've got a lot PVR'd for uh, next week and the weekend and stuff like that. So we're we're pretty pumped at our household for this. But Jim uh, Jim has a an interest in Shark Week for a completely different reason and this is lifted from this weekend's uh, podcast slash broadcast here on tsn 1050 the double blue podcast this is jim pop the gm of the argos talking about why shark week is a little more interesting in the pop household my wife unfortunately uh is one of the rare people in the history of the world that's been bit by a shark so mm-hmm. uh, and lived to tell the tale and learned to tell and fortunate not to disfigure her you know mm-hmm. um uh, but she got it in the leg, lower leg. Um, we were at the beach with our two youngest kids, and we have six, so mm-hmm. we just had a little escape. We were able to take just the two, go to the Hilton Head, mm-hmm. very, and we were in a public access area, not very far from a lifeguard stand, mm-hmm. and uh, we'd been on the beach all morning, and uh, it was a very calm day. Mm-hmm. But but it, in hindsight. We understand a little more now what the possibility has happened. It was a feeding frenzy that we were that she was standing in, and we didn't know it. Oh, but early okay. on, I saw porpoises galore, baby porpoises. That porpoises are shark food. Sure. And then I never seen so many pelicans die bombing the water, which so the porpoises the water. forced it. This is all shark food. Yeah. So the sharks come in, and um, so we had. I'd been out there with the kids doing the exact same thing, wastewater, keep them in front of us, not to get out too far, mm-hmm. watch them back to the deep water. Mm-hmm. And we did that. Then we went to eat lunch, came back, and I actually was sitting under an umbrella looking at my phone. She went down to do that with the kids, and I said, you know what, I should go down and take pictures. She did the same thing for me. Mm-hmm. Go down, and about halfway down to the water, lots of people on the beach screaming, 
turn around, grabbing the kids, yelling shark. I was bit. I was bit. And um, What's going through? Like, how panicked are you? Well, I'm like panicked and i'm like running now and i yeah. see her but she's walking then i see her limping and then limping bad and then i see blood everywhere uh-huh. and um you know in you know and she has this graphic memory in her you know she thought there was other kids but our kids were all, it's her backs to the water they're to the right of her she saw another kid that kind of disappeared she got bumped when you hear the shark tail the shark will bump you she mm-hmm. got bumped she thought someone was in a wave that ran oh, into shit, her, yeah. and then she felt something grab her leg, not in pain, and she thought it was a kid, and she looked down, and that picture of a shark's mouth protruded, hanging on, was on her. Wow. And she starts beating it with her arm. Which is good. Like, she's it, smart enough to do that. And it let her go. Mm-hmm. And How big was the shark? It was six foot. Big enough. Yeah. And, it, you know, and um, so it was a six foot shark. It was, it was a black tip shark. Okay. Uh, there were two older couples and then those little waist chairs, you know, where your feet sing. Yeah. They saw the whole thing happen. Mm-hmm. And um, they told us what kind of shark it was, but we had to send off. They do all these studies and they could tell by the bite marks yeah, and, and everything what kind of sharks they are. Tooth radius and all that. Yeah. And um, just one of those. And, and she she's very fortunate because. It bit right in the, you know, right at your ankle on top of your foot from mm-hmm. your leg when yeah. your ankle connects. There's a tendon that runs, actually operates your foot. It did not sever that. Wow. It went into it. But didn't. She had dropped foot. She could barely, barely wiggle her little toe, or big toe, I'm sorry. Nothing else would move. And the foot specialist in Charlotte, because this is weeks later, said, I think she's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And he happens, the only way we got in to see him, because he, one of the Carolina Panthers doctors who's a foot specialist for the NFL mm-hmm. he took it on he took it on like a war veteran never seen anything like it mm-hmm. and uh, he rehabbed her back to 100% does, uh, does she go back in the water? she put her feet in yeah she has no interest uh, do the kids were the kids scarred by that? were you? Uh, like, we have you go, little we... by little uh, we've never kept him from it mm-hmm. um, I do not go in the water like I used to yeah. I've always body surfed gone up you know even over my head not anymore uh, my oldest son still does it hasn't phased him does that freak uh, you out a little bit does that freak her oh out yeah a little bit? yeah I, I tell you even even after this happened we'd have first responders come in and see her in the hospital that wanted to meet her fascinated mm-hmm. oh i bet uh like never been around a shark bite and you know this one guy who's a triathlete in hilton head came in and he goes i know this is going to sound weird but i think it's the coolest thing you got bit by a shark and you survive but he goes i will tell you I never knew the stuff that went on around the water. He goes, as a first responder, he goes, because I'm in there swimming. He goes, even if I'm winning the triathlete, he goes, I will not go in the water first. He goes, I'll wait. Really? He goes, because there's there's stingray hits every day. He says, things are lurking. He goes, as soon as the, they'll react as soon as you hit the water. But he goes, and then they'll scurry off. He says, so even myself now, I will wait till someone else goes in the water before I go in first. Mm And uh, so that scared me enough because I grew up worried about jellyfish. Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was my worry. Yeah. I wasn't sharks. And, yeah. uh, of course, you know, when Jaws came out, then that, that changes everything. Yeah, it changed a little bit. But, yeah. no, I, it's fascinating to this day because I, I have known that experience. Even for my wife, she'll watch things now about sharks mm-hmm. um, just because it had happened to her. And uh, and everybody sends you things about sharks because mm-hmm. it, it, it happened. and. And we really pay attention around the world now when people get bit, and we try to 
maybe sometimes reach out to people that I have just to help them mentally, mm-hmm. you know, to go through yeah. things. But um, it's, 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 it's a different deal. Yeah, yeah thank God she's arrived, obviously. Yeah. That is uh, Jim Pop from the Double Blue Podcast coming up this weekend uh, in conjunction, I guess, with Shark Week. I had to ask him the question. But uh, Jim uh, grew up in uh, in uh, Mooresville, North Carolina, just north of Charlotte. So it's it's on it's not on the ocean, but you can imagine uh, if you're if uh, you're a teenager or a little older in in North Carolina that uh, heading down to the ocean on a regular basis uh, is something that you would do, or later in life take your kids down there when you have the opportunity. So that's uh, that's the general manager of the Argos, Jim pop and you will hear the entire conversation it is lengthy and uh, he is a great storyteller and uh, that will be uh, run on uh, saturday morning here on tsn 1050 and also uh, the podcast i don't know if it comes out later today maybe tomorrow but uh, in all likelihood it will come out later today and uh, you can pick that up anywhere just double blue podcast and you can go to itunes or stitcher or uh, soundcloud wherever wherever you get your downloads or just want to listen to it on your computer um, that's that's where you can do that coming up in the next hour, we will have Mr. Dan Simborski joining us from ESPN. He'll kick off the hour, and we'll talk uh, about the trade deadline more than anything else. But uh, we'll get his thoughts from an analytical standpoint on what the Toronto Blue Jays have been all about this year. Rod Black will join us, play-by-play voice of the CFL on TSN, among other duties uh, on the network. And Carlo Koliakovo, the former Leaf, will drop by. And he's currently playing in Germany, but he's on the radar for Team Canada as uh, in terms of being an Olympian should the NHL players not go over, which looks very unlikely at this point. So we'll talk to Carlo as well, get caught up with him as we continue with Toronto today. My name's Mike Hogan. This is TSN 1050.